listening to the North Avenue Show, a podcast devoted to sharing the stories of some top entrepreneurs and marketing directors. I'm Andrew Curtin, and I'm sitting down with top executives to talk about their process, lessons learned, and how to make an impact. Hello and welcome to the North Avenue Show. This is Andrew Curtin speaking. You're very welcome to the seventh episode of the show. If you are new or want to learn more about the show, please follow me on Instagram at Andrew double underscore Curtin. That is at Andrew double underscore Curtin. That is Curtin with an I-N at the end. Also, if you want to connect or follow me on LinkedIn, please type linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash Curtin Andrew. I'd also really appreciate it if you could subscribe to the show and leave an honest review. It's always good to get honest feedback so I can improve the future contents of the show. Today, I've slightly varied up the show. I have two callers waiting on the line. One, Jennifer Cash, who is setting up a graphic design business. Jen has worked in the industry for quite some time now and has spotted a gap in the market that she would like to exploit. And two, Paul Anderson, who is the founder of Carriages International. So we start off the show with Jen. Jen, thanks for calling in. Great to have you on. Thanks for having me, Andre. So, Jen, tell us about your startup. Yep. Well, my startup has been focusing on something that I've been really passionate about um, since I left school. Um, I focus on design and with a speciality in licensed graphics and branding and marketing. Um, This is something I've been doing for over 10 years now and absolutely love it. Great. And tell us a bit more about your background. What type of projects have you worked on? What type of companies have you worked with? Yep. Well, um, I've started off, my first um, role was as a junior designer based over in Leeds. And um, that was brilliant coming out of university and working over in a large city. Um, Since then, I've been able to kind of grow my background and interest within licensed graphics and design and have kind of um, been working over different areas such as sportswear and prototyping different products. And Jen, tell us, because graphic design is quite a competitive area in the market, what type of niche are you trying to carve out? Um, Yeah, well, probably, again, the niche I'm trying to carve out would be children's wear, um, with a speciality in licensed graphics. And Jen, for the listeners who might not be that familiar with licensed graphics and the industry in particular, what does that actually entail? What does licensed graphics actually entail? Yep, so um, some of the most popular licensed graphics at the minute would be things like Peppa Pig, um, Mr. Men, um, other things like Ben and Holly or In the Night Garden, and also Paw Patrol. Um, mm. So again, you know, just graphics with a lot of bright colours and a lot of fun. And I presume a lot of people might think this industry is a small bit softer than other maybe analytical sectors, but you guys do quite a lot of extensive research. Oh, yes. No, there is. There's a lot of background research. Um, For example, there's a lot of trend forecasting used for these type of designs, um, which are you can attend um, shows in places like Paris and Milan, um, which actually look at a couple of years in advance um, at children's wear characters. Um, So, for example, one of the hot topics this year has been unicorns. I'm sure everyone's seeing graphics um, for those llamas and dinosaurs. Um, and so it's really just trying to utilise those. And tell us this, Jen, why kids' market? Is it an interest of yours or did you spot a gap in the market that you'd like to exploit? Yep. Um, so I was going to say probably kids where I chose me um, just after I graduated from uni with a design for industry degree. Um I absolutely loved working with licensed graphics and um, branding around them. 
And um, I just thought there was definitely a gap in the market going forward with someone with that speciality um, because kids where is very con- restrained and there's a constraint placed on what you can actually design due to safety. Um, so there's a lot of challenges when it comes to that. And um, there's not a lot of people in the business with that actual background um, which know the constraints um, for the products and also the clothing themselves. And Jen, I suppose we know that... Uh entrepreneurship can be a lonely road but I know over in Belfast Invest in I and other programs are doing a lot of good work have you teamed up with them to try accelerate your business yep so I, like you said Andrew from Belfast um, there's a lot of support for starting your own pro- program or business um, we have either Invest in I and the Go For It program and I've been fortunate enough to actually be placed with a business advisor um, who's put together a business plan for myself and it's great to also have someone to actually bounce ideas off um, because it can be quite lonely when you're in your own startup. It's brilliant to be able to go to um, an office, get out of the house and actually talk to someone um, about your ideas um, and also to pull together your business plan, especially if you need support with looking at those um, figures in the early days and how to get it off the ground. And I know, Jane, you've recently graduated in the last few years with your Master of Science degree in marketing from Ulster University. Have you been in contact with the, with the university to discuss your ideas and your, your venture yet? Um, no, I haven't actually been in contact with them too much since I've graduated, um, which is a shame because, um, as we were talking earlier, Andrea, I think it would be great if there was a a LinkedIn grip or an alumni alumni page um, that could pull everyone together because we are all in different industries now, um, but we also don't know when our paths might cross again. Yeah, I think it's definitely an area that universities need to improve on because you spend all that time together in class and you build up trust and build up good relationships. And more than likely, when you leave university, you're going into similar roles or industries. So it's a shame, a shame not to have a tighter knit after university. Yes, no, I definitely agree. I mean, you've worked with these people before in a safe environment whenever you're at university. Um, so it's only a good way to grow, grow foundations, um, you know, for going into business even together in the future or using each other as a, as a support network as you grow your own business. And Jen, I know a lot of startups have many different obstacles to get over when getting things off the ground. So what is your biggest obstacle? What's your biggest challenge? That's a good question. I would say my biggest obstacle for the future will be time and dedication because I still have my nine to five job. Um, So my biggest thing will be allocating enough time um, to my business to get it off the ground. And going back to our discussion earlier about Invest in I, do you have a facility or a a schedule that you can go meet up with your business advisor and get out of the house and just bounce a few ideas? Is that kind of system in place? Yeah, no, I would say I don't have any set time um, to meet um, with the program itself. But I find that even meeting with other people that are in the same line of work as me um, for a coffee um, is brilliant. And I was going to say that's one big help if you can be disciplined with your time because it is so precious with your startup and writing a to-do list every morning to help you prioritize what you need to get through for that day. Um, is brilliant and I was going to say I can certainly help people with that just putting together a calendar even for your business in the early days so it sounds like you're big into the time management and productivity side of things which I know everybody can be lacking in at times so do you have any 
any note for listeners that any books to any books to read or any authors to follow regarding this area um that's a really good question i would say um a lot of it is probably self-taught um, yeah. to be honest um for myself but i do find some of the articles in the harvard business review are brilliant for timekeeping and yeah. also um there's a book about which actually made me laugh called the phoenix project um, and it's hilarious. Um, it's a good book to read for anyone who might be in IT startups. Um, I would recommend that. And just diving a bit deeper into productivity and efficiency, since you'll be advertising your company soon, what do you think will be the best advertising challenge for you? Which one do you think will be most effective and most cost effective for your startup? Yeah, well, Andrew, that's a really good point because that's one of the things which I think people maybe need to focus on more when they are starting a business is to know that one size does not fit all. So something that might work, for example, a business that's maybe launching um, a product, for example, a smoothie, they might find that, you know, Facebook is the best channel for them. Yeah. Um, whereas someone like me who's doing design work for me, my hot um, channel would be a website to drive um, people to it to actually see um, mm. what I'm designing and um, what products I have. So mm. for me, again, because money can be quite tight on time in a startup, I would say list all the channels that you know you can get for free or at a small cost and prioritize those which you know will hit your customers or segments that you're wanting to target um, and start at the top and work your way down. And for a lot of companies, you're just going to have to write down your list and just see what really sticks at the beginning. Yes, of course. Yeah, there's no harm in trying something, and especially if something fails. Um, fail fast is what I always think. Yeah. And then you know what you can do in the future and what will be your next stepping stone. And we'll finish at this question, Jen. Just tell the audience how these uh, graphic design companies work, because I know... A lot of companies nowadays are outsourcing. Is that the type of model the industry possesses or do they have a big internal team? What way does it actually work? Yep, yeah, well, that's a good question, Andrew. To be honest, um, I would say the des the design company I have is a wee bit different with our setup. Um, so I actually work more with outsourcing um, because I think you get more of a flavor of different um handwriting from a lot of um, different kind of designers so I find that having the support of the internet is fantastic um, so we would actually do video calls um, or use um, different programs to actually share artwork and designs across it Jane thanks so much for calling in it was great to have you on and I'm sure listeners who are in similar situations to you will gain a lot of insight through the different productivity tips and the advice you gave on starting up a business thanks a lot for calling in Jen Thank you very much for having me, and it was brilliant to catch up with you. That was Jennifer Cash talking about her graphic design startup. Thanks again, Jen, for calling in. Next up on the line is Paul Anderson. Paul is the founder of Carriages International. Paul, thanks for coming on the show. Tell us a bit about your startup. Okay, Carriages International is a sort of an idea I came up about four years ago and wanted to uh, create something that was quite unique. And one thing was originally taking the old uh, disused uh, carriages that get scrapped. And on on this sort of um, 
said earlier, I had a basically got involved with a guy who'd been in the industry for sort of 50 years. And he said, well, look, it's something even better. I can provide blueprints. So the idea then went one step further. And it was basically then turning these carriages or starting from scratch, basically building carriages with blueprints from scratch going back to the 1842s or the 1913s or the or the 1883s and depending on what sort of style carriage you want. Now the carriages are basically built, hand built through a factory which goes back about 180 years and it's sort of designed with a craftsmanship taking the British idea and and being able to put together something that sits on railway tracks and the sleepers and goes into people's back gardens. And we also have the sort of the uh, interior design where people can design whatever they want inside. So, for example, you can either have a sort of a, uh, a wine bar, uh, accommodation, for uh, uh, extra extra rooms for your family, you can have an office. You can have uh, many many possibilities with a um, with a sort of an empty space, and uh, you know it's something sort of quite unique. This will sort of hopefully travel around the world, sitting in people's gardens and sort of having something rather than the garden shed. You've got something which is sort of handmade in this country. Uh, it's got 180 years of experience, and one thing is to bring back beautiful craftsmanship of this of this land. And uh, this is this is the idea. This is a carriage that will, um, I think, excel. You know the uniqueness. And tell us this, Paul. How much is this going to cost the the consumer? How much is the whole package? What are your offerings going to cost the end consumer? Right, basically what we're offering is 40 foot and 20 foot. And on the 40 foot, it costs uh, half a million, 500,000. And that's the shell, that's the boogie, the undercarriage. And that's the sort of the track and the sleepers. The interior design will be a different price. Um, and on the 20 foot, you're looking at 350,000. Same thing, we build the shell and we kit it out ready for the interior designers to come along and work with the clients. And Paul, due to the high cost of your product, I guess your consumer, your ideal client is going to be more the A-listers, even Royals. Would I be right in saying they're the type of customer you're going to be going after? Very, very much so, yes. I mean, anybody, unfortunately, you know, is the sort of the top end. It's a very expensive garden shed, I suppose, um, sitting on tracks. But it's the beauty. It's the beauty. Um, it's the beauty that sort of like people can have, and it's hand-built, you know, bespoke, hand-built. That's sort of from a, a, a factory. That's um, uh, You've got your craftsmen who are sort of born and bred. And what would be nice is to see um, them sold, and money invested back into the factory and also invested into into scholarships, apprentice apprenticeships to come teach because at the moment you only they're only the government is only paying for one year and we would like to see sort of three year and that's where I'd like to sort of see the money sort of go put back into the into the factory. We actually have two factories and um, we'd like to see, you know, it's 
fully functioning. Um, they're struggling. You know, it's it's something that um, not everybody sort of comes up with with an idea to sort of, I suppose, like a car. You know, creating a new car. I guess it was kind of a dying trade as such. Very much so. Well, nobody. I mean, the the, the guy that I first got involved doing some research uh, about four years ago. Um, he said, look, you know, been in the industry 50 years, and he said, I've never, never come across anybody trying to do something like this. He said, Paul, you're completely nuts, but it's brilliant. He said, look, it can work, but it will take some time. I said, it will work, you know, four years down the road. Um, you know, we're ready for production. Everything is in place, and it's just going out there and uh, hitting the people and saying, look, you know, there's, there's something beauty, there's something beautiful made here, ready for your back garden. It can be used as a as a, an office for CEO, CEO um, a meeting place for you know parties, whatever. I would love to see one um, across the road from uh, Parliament in the south on the South Bank. In a, hopefully in the next sort of year and a half, two years, Matt. Um, I think that would be, you know, something I would love to achieve. Even sort of the first one. Um, I think that's, it's like an artist, you know, an artist is never an artist until they, they sell their, their work. And uh, this will catch on. I know it will. But it's sort of like, how do you, you know, start something and say, look, you know, I want you to hand over half a million pounds for a, for a, a unit, you know, and then you've got the interior design on top. And tell us this, Paul, if I want to purchase one of these off you today, how long do I have to wait to get it? Right, well, it's, at the moment it's nine months, but uh, um, I would like to think get it down to six and possibly four months. And tell us a bit more about the manufacturing side of it, Paul. What type of trades are working on the product you have? Well, the craftsmen, they've sort of been sort of passed on. The craftsman has been passed on through the generations, through the, the grandparents or whatever, you know, sort of. Uh, um, it's, it's 180 years is one place that sort of been, they have their, it's a cottage industry, this is the thing. And it is sort of like struggling. And, and you know, it's getting the people come out of retirement or retraining um, the new the new sort of uh, uh, group of apprentices for the for the future, and that's what I would like to sort of uh, you know sort of uh, see. It's it is struggling, and I could see this uh, changing the whole thing. And what is your current route to market, Paul? Where are you generating leads from? Well, this is an interesting one, Andrew, because um, I've spent the last uh, four weeks on social media and. Social media is the best thing around, but it's something... I've got a lot of contacts through the past, which I sort of delved into, and uh, I'm finding that I'm getting uh, a lot of interest through people um, that I know. But it's it's basically hitting all the top ends, whether it's celebrities, whether it's sort of um, all the sort of the top sort of condom, the uh, uh, all the sort of interior designers, all the sort of the um, big big companies, well known companies. But it, I think it's going to be it's going to take a little bit of time. It's yeah. not something that you can just sort of jump in and expect, um, you know, to be up there with say a Prada or or sort of you know something that's been 
you know, established for many, many years. Just one thing I'm curious of, Paul, seeing as you're devoting all your time to this project and trying to get this off the ground, but sales might be a slow burner. How are you financially supporting yourself at the moment? Well, well, this is interesting because it's sort of this has been a passion, and uh, I spent a lot of time on this. I've sort of been doing sort of uh, a lot of supervising work, um, and sort of just you know out there. So whatever comes up, I will do. You know, just to sort of pay the bills. Um, I have money to sort of save, so it's been it's been good to sort of uh, I could concentrate on. Um, I'm in with a, a group of, of people, I have partners, and, uh, you know, there's a support sort of uh, mechanism, and uh, that's helping helping uh, myself through. And that's so important with sort of any idea. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, that, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a very important thing to have a, a support mechanism. Years ago, you know, you could talk, you could come up with an idea, and then sort of years later, you're still talking about it. Here, you know, I've come up with an idea, and it's been one door led to another. And it's the social media, it's the people, um, investors looking to uh, investing into into ideas, people with a bit of passion. And so you've got to have something on the table, and which I have, and I've been lucky enough to find the right people um, where I am today. And um, we can only sort of move on. And it's enabled me to, to uh, come up with other sort of uh, ideas. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, all, it's all looking good. And Paul, I haven't noticed that you received some support from Chelsea Football Club. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, this was this was really where it started um, back in in in, in May two thousand sixteen. Um, I went along <clears throat> to this course, which uh, I mean I had a, a guest girlfriend who nagged me, and eventually I went along and uh, did a two week course on entrepreneurship and uh, uh, social media, how to how to use it, and that led me to. Uh, a slot where they picked me out of 120 people to stand up in front of 100 people, which is called the edge of the box. And that was started by a guy called Carl at the Chelsea Football Club, which is now celebrating its fourth anniversary we'll do in October. And they are going to do a sort of little uh, documentary on my idea, um, which I am preparing to sort out through. I've got some virtual reality guys. I've got a... Um, uh, just a whole sort of team working now and uh, it's I think it's going to be marvelous I mean it's 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 they're the only uh, people in the whole of sort of football that are doing this uh, particular uh, thing where it's helping entrepreneurs and uh, it's the best thing that uh, has happened to me it then led to um, meeting my partner and uh, and uh, being in this position and just before we finish up, Paul, if anyone wants to get involved with this course or programme at Chelsea Football Club, who are they to contact? Um, they can either come through me or I can sort of uh, give the details after our conversation and they can get in touch with you, Andrew. Um, it's a marvellous thing. I will support it. I'm actually a Chelsea supporter and I used to go back in the 70s and 80s and 90s and I've seen seen it all change. And to then walk through the gates at Chelsea and then sort of come up with an idea and I've had the support from them. Um, it's, it's a fantastic story. 
It's a, it's that beautiful journey. And I I will hopefully anybody wants some help, please. You know, I'm, I'm already there. I will have the door open for other people um, because we have the setup. So please, you know, get in contact with with an idea. If you're thinking of the whole idea is to sort of have an open mind. If you're not creative, but just have an open mind and think outside your box. And then, you know, you can come up with amazing ideas. Not straight away, but, you know, everybody has the ability to, to create something, whether it's something like the carriage or whatever. But, you know, it's, it's, it's possible. Paul, unfortunately, that's all we've time for today. Thanks a lot for all your insights. I really enjoyed them, and I wish you best of luck now with Carriages International, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again, Paul. Thanks for calling in. Take care. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thanks again to Paul and Jennifer for calling into the show. It was great to hear your insights and life in different startups in different industries. Stay tuned for next week's show, where I sit down with Charlie Mullins, OBE founder and CEO of Pimlico Plumbers. Thank you.